Welcome to Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dom went from a life of organized crime to federal prison. There God saved him and set him free. Soon after his release, he attended seminary and received his master's degree and is now the senior pastor of Desert Sky Baptist Church, where he serves with a passion for biblical theology right here in Casa Grande. Now let's join our host, Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dominic Romaldi here with Street Talk Theology. We take theology and bring it to the streets. Give me a shout out, Pastor Grimaldi at gmail.com. Any questions, any concerns? Uh, again, Pastor Dominic Romaldi, I pastor here, one of the teaching elders in Desert Sky Baptist Church. If you guys do not, all women do not have a home church, check us out. You can go on DesertSkyBaptist.org. You can listen to sermons. Uh, that's on Sermon Audio. Go to Sermon Audio. Just punch in Dominic Romaldi, and then uh, we'll pop up. Our church will pop up. Um, we are not sheep stealers, but if the, you are looking for a church, you're new to the area, please, you're welcome to come in. We come from a Reformed tradition. We love the Lord. We stay very, very, very close to the Scriptures. We don't get off the Scriptures. Um, again, you, we don't give prizes when you come here. We don't have nothing to give. The only thing we have to give is the gospel. So, um, we're thankful for that. Got my co-host with me, Pastor Michael Teddy. Uh, we are both pastors. We're not that close though. We're in, in, um, in proximity. And if you're joining us for the first time, let me just uh, turn it over to my co-host, Pastor Michael, who is not around the corner from me. Am I right, Michael? We're not. I can't come over later and hug baby Ethan and see how he's doing. Can I? Uh, no, you can't. I wish you could. Uh, <laughs> but we need to invent some kind of technology that, that brings our proximity close to. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, I, my name is Michael. I pastor uh, Redemption Hill Church uh, south here in India. Um, and um, you can reach me at michaelteddy at gmail.com. Uh, we are also a reformed church, uh, a small church. We're growing steadily and God has been blessing us and his favor is upon us. And we're, we're greatly, it's a, it's a great joy to be able to do these podcasts with Pastor Dorman. And we hope that we are able to speak about things that are encouraging and uh, a blessing to all of you. Okay, so I got, we've been doing question and answers, um, right? And so I got to, I'm going to try to stay on that on that type of premise, so to speak. So let me look at my little list here. So here's something. This is something that's an interesting, and I've really heard a lot of expositors that we love. So the Bible says, where two or three are gathered, I am in the midst. Now, in the context of that scripture, now I'm going to give my synopsis, but I want to be careful here too. But I'm going to give my synopsis, and I'm going to turn it over to uh, Pastor Michael. In the context of that verse, it's talking about church discipline in Matthew 18. And it seems like the context there is when where two or three are gathered to make a decision concerning church discipline. Because the Bible says if somebody has sinned, you go speak to the brother. If he doesn't want to adhere to that, you can take another elder with you. And if he doesn't want to hear to that, you bring him in front of the congregation. He doesn't hear that. You put him outside the church until 
he repents. But where the two or three are gathered seems like it's in the context of when you're dealing with church discipline, that God is in the midst of the discipline that you are disciplining the brother or sister with. The question for me is, it seems like when you use that as a a teaching with two or three, the Lord is in the midst, I say the Lord is in the midst when you're by yourself. You know, I've heard scholars that we love, Michael, and I don't think there's anything, I mean, it's not heretical to say that, but I think, you know, right now I'm here in 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 Casa Grande, Arizona, and you're in India, and we pray God's in the midst, right? I mean, you know, here and, you know, with us. So you've heard this before, I'm sure, and if not, um, um, fair question? Yeah, it is. Uh, in fact, it, it, it is something that's uh, very close to us because we're, we're studying the Gospel of Matthew. And we're at Matthew chapter 20. We've finished chapter 20, so we just crossed over 18 uh, a few weeks ago. And so uh, I, I, I arrived at the same analysis when I came to that verse, where in its context, Jesus is specifically trying to talk to the disciples about his agreement with their decision to put people out of the church. In fact, he talks to Peter. Um, I think it's uh, a few chapters before that. He talks to Peter and he tells him, that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then later he repeats that of all the disciples, of all his disciples. And, and at that point is directly referencing the church, the fellowship of the saints. That in Matthew chapter 18, when you're looking at the church deciding whether an individual should be removed from their membership, removed from their midst, that is an act of judgment that God says God participates in and God participates it through the function of the church. Now, no church is perfect. So there could be churches that put out righteous people too. Um, the point being there is that uh, when a Bible believing, a Bible saturated, Christ exalting community of saints, the church of God accepts someone into their membership. That is what I like to call, that is a declarative authority that the church has, not a decisional authority, because the church doesn't have the decisive authority on who goes to heaven. But when the church recognizes a believer and adds him to their membership, they are declaring that this person is a genuine Christian. And when they remove someone from the membership, they are declaring, we have no confidence that this person is a genuine Christian. And so that statement is a statement that the church makes in recognition of by discerning and watching an individual's life. And Jesus is saying that activity, that declarative authority has been given to the church. And when the church faithfully executes that authority, Christ is in full agreement with them in what they're doing. So I agree with the context completely. But I, I, I wouldn't have a pro I, mean, I, I don't have a problem in that principle then stretching to any kind of agreement. 
Now, this is an agreement to put someone out. I think it applies then the same agreement to add somebody into the church. Mm. So when the well church said, comes well together well said, and well adds somebody, said. that's an agreement that uh, Christ is with them for. So I'm where two or more are gathered, I'm with you in these decisions that you make. So when two, two brothers in a church come together and they pray faithfully for something and they agree upon something, I don't have a problem saying that Christ is in your midst, in agreement with you for what you are pursuing. But that is as long as you stand according to the will of God, doing what God righteously has called you to do. Yeah, very well said. Uh, again, pastorally uh, well said. And I, I again, uh, Pastor Michael, you know, if somebody's going to come in the church and, you know, during a prayer meeting and say, well, we're two or three are gathered. And I mean, I'm not going to say, hey, stop. But, you know, so but it's good to understand context. It's good to understand, you know, and that's really a strong play because, you know, when you have to make a tough decision like that, when the elders get together, all the congregation gets together. We pray and believe that God's in the midst of that decision if we're going by biblical mandate, biblical doctrine. And I think that's an encouragement, I, I, I would say. Okay, so I'm going to read a couple of verses here. Second Corinthians, we don't rehearse this stuff. And, and the Bible says this, uh, Paul speaking to the often troubled Corinthian church. <laughs> Good church, but often troubled. Uh, Paul said, it is necessary to boast, though it is not profitable, but I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ, this is Paul speaking in the third person, who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I don't know, or out of the body, I don't know. God knows such a man was caught up to the third heaven. And I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I don't know, God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. So basically the context here is Paul actually, I don't want to say out-of-body experience, but Paul here actually was brought up to the third heaven. And the Bible says that he couldn't even understand what was going on. Now, whether or not he was he understood and was permitted not to say, I don't know. So... That's a biblical premise. The the thing that I'm I'm I want to hone on here is that whatever Paul seen, he seemed he didn't get a true grasp on it, or he was told not to repeat what he saw, right? So what do we make of all these books today, Pastor Michael, that have people saying that they've been to heaven? and been back and tell you that I want to be careful. I seen Moses there and, you know, this and that. And now the only reference we have to somebody visiting this third heaven, and, and Paul calls it that, is this scriptural proof that Paul was there. But there's also scriptural proof that either he didn't understand what was going on or was too deep for him or... He was told not to repeat what he heard. So my question is, when we get all these books that speak about making these trips to heaven, and should we have some skepticism? Yes, I think we should. If I were to be told the story by somebody, the, the immediate question I would have is, which local church are you a part of? 
what is the common you know which is the body of believers that you're accountable to um what will they say about your life like how so i if if i have a very respectable faithful christian who has got a good reputation of faithfulness and just biblical fidelity and all of those kind of things someone with you know who's above reproach in that sense came and told me that they had an experience they could not explain i would have a greater tendency to have less skepticism i would give them the benefit of the doubt and actually hear what they have to say and try to think think it through with them but in most of these situations that's not what you see in most of these situations um in, in fact many of these books that have came out later on i think they've come out saying it was a lie they've come out saying it was made up i think that the essential component of prophecy in the new testament or of revelation in this manner is that it must be discerned and judged by the elders of the church and there is not really a way for elders of the church to judge such a prophetic vision which is probably why paul did not labor to explain it either but john did right john had a revelatory Amen. very well you know, said experience he was taken up by the spirit and he was explicitly told to come back and give a message and he did um so i don't think it's a norm and i don't think it is an experience god gives people so that they can come back to earth and describe what they saw up there i don't i don't i don't see that as a need i don't see that as a pattern even as you know myself being a continuationist and believing that the gifts of the holy spirit have not ceased and they continue to exist those are kind of experiences that i am not uh, open to receiving um and i would evaluate an individual spiritual walk and life and I, and i would basically ask the question how does this edify the church how does this encourage the church in a lot of these experiences involve them going up to heaven so i knew i knew people who used to claim they have uh, experiences of going up to heaven having lunch with paul talking to him about uh, paul and they'd come back and talk about it some of them claimed this was a regular event and uh, you look and you don't have to look far you just have to look at their life and their uh, spiritual stability and you would see that there was there was no spiritual stability there was a lot of confusion and it was easy to at that point say that either these were experiences that were not of the spirit of god or they were experience they were lies that they were making up or uh, fantasies that they were coming up with and both of those are scary you know those are both those both of those are concerning things so i i would i would receive these kind of experiences with caution because even in the new testament such experiences have not been paul did not ask us to have such experiences to edify the church then the gifts of the holy spirit does not necessarily so this was another experience this is not a gift that paul asks anybody to pursue um and this was and in fact according to paul uh such experiences resulted in in him having a thorn in the flesh which he desperately cried that the lord would lift uh so in light of all the great revelations that he has had in order that he might not be boastful or proud god gave to him a thought in the flesh and said my grace is sufficient for you so um it is a one off i feel incident could happen again but it's not a norm and in all of these books uh, i am yet to find one that legitimately 
has to offer something that is theologically warranted. Yeah, very well. And again, pastoral. I and I think, um, and and I, like I said, a, a lot of these books they've come back later and and said, well, maybe it wasn't so, and and things of that nature. Yeah, uh, I yeah, just wanted to add. Please, go, yeah. please, 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 Pastor. I just wanted to add the reason people are drawn to books like this is because they want some sort of probably want some sort of encouragement, some sort of a feeling of is there really a heaven? And is heaven really like that? Somebody has actually gone and come back. They want some sort of affirmation. Um, and my response is, we are, we cannot be so little of faith. We have a book that speaks extensively of the hope of the life to come, and it's the Bible. We don't need another book. We can stick with the Bible and have so much encouragement of the time to come. Okay. So you've stated that you are a continuist and you believe in the gifts. Um, and so my question is, okay, so let me read this just for a, a challenge here, just a, a, a quick thing. It says, the signs of a true apostle were worked out among you with all perseverance by signs and wonders and miracles. And and so we know the views on this, but I'm, I want to ask a particular question about a particular gift and that's tongues and my question is and tongues we know is the word glossalia which means language so my question is without getting into the gifts type of debate or this and that do you believe pastor michael that the gift of tongues is something that is and again, if, if it's so, there has to be an interpretation and things like that. But would it be necessary today with the full canon of Scripture, things that we can read every day, would the gift of tongues, is it still viable in the church today? And if it is, for what reason would it be in the church when we have the full canon of Scripture? Um Though the Bible says when the perfect comes, these things will be done away with. And obviously some people say that's the Bible. Most say that's the second coming of Christ. But just particularly talking about in the last five minutes, and probably I should have gave you more time than this, but talk to me about has the gift of tongues today ceased? Um, I don't believe so. Uh, D.A. Carson has an excellent book, uh, which is an exegetical uh, analysis of 1 Corinthians 12 to 15, where he talks about the very subject of tongues in, in great detail. And um, I would say this much. I would say, no, I don't believe the gift of tongues have ceased. Um, and the argument that now that we have the canon, we no longer need the gifts is an argument that is simply a logical argument that is not that does not have scriptural evidence, I feel. Um, so when Paul explains the use of the gifts, yes, that's the book, Showing the Spirit by D.A. Carson. And um, when, when Paul talks about the gifts, especially in 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, and we've done an extensive study on this. It's up on our YouTube channel uh, on Redemption Hill Church. We've I, I think we have over two, 20 sermons on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so we dive detail into the subject of tongues. And when Paul talks about the gift of tongues, he speaks about the need of the gift of interpretation. Because if you speak in tongues, 
in the church and there is no interpretation nobody is going to understand what you're saying that's his basic argument i think he, he says people with, i think i'm sorry michael <laughs> pastor yeah. mike i think he says people will think you're crazy right yeah people yeah people, people won't understand what you're saying and people think you're crazy it doesn't edify anybody i would rather you say a few words in intelligible language rather than uh, a lot of words in tongues and that's the argument he makes but he also says that those who pray in tongues without interpretation edify themselves which is an interesting way of putting it because if you don't have the gift of interpretation then you are speaking in a language you cannot understand how does it edify yourself how how is it that you are being edified at that point it's not even about canon it's you're not talking about the gift of interpretation i am saying a few words in a gift i don't know what i am saying but paul says it edifies myself my own soul um how does that happen well i i like going to romans 8 where paul talks about the the function of the holy spirit in praying with us and through us in our prayers that even in groanings too deep for words the spirit is able to use those groanings as prayer unto the lord and so i would say the holy spirit is able to in my understanding of 1st corinthians reading through 12 to 14 and from romans 8 places like that that the spirit is able to impress upon you words of prayer that will edify you that are spiritual but you don't know what you are saying which is the only reason i think that paul could say that it edifies the self and then paul says but you must pray all the more that you must be gifted with the gift of interpretation so that you can edify the church and in the language paul uses to address the corinthian church because clearly the corinthian church had an abuse of all the gifts he talks about the need of interpretation but at the same time he talks about why they should not forbid the speaking of tongues so clearly there seem to be two factions there was a group of people that were only speaking in tongues and nobody could understand what they were saying because we know the letter to the corinthians were written as a response to questions they sent out to him so he's on one end addressing people who are speaking in tongues and not stopping and on the other end he's talking to people who are trying to forbid that kind of speech and he tells them do not forbid the speaking of tongues i am glad i speak in tongues more than any of you and so he's so he's trying to battle both extremes and try to bring them to uh, you know a consensus and and then he just basically tells them earnestly desire the gifts of the holy spirit so the idea that the gifts were solely for the function of apostolic authority is not something that first corinthians 12 to 15 regularizes at all in fact paul nor paul makes this normative in these verses that this is an expected normal function of the church that you desire the gifts and edify one another in and through all of those kind of gifts well we got a minute left and I, this was good stuff and and again these are secondary and tertiary issues um and and we want to be careful because these are not salvational issues uh we did speak a couple of things that i think were important um concerning salvation and we know salvation is of the lord it's not of if somebody does this or that and and these but these are good topics to speak about but we want to be careful that we don't make 
we don't put these in categories where it makes people disfellowship. Now, like Pastor Michael says, if you walk into a church and these people are rambling on and and there's no, I mean, Paul says you're going to run out like you're a madman. So, so you, you want to be careful of those things, obviously. But these are good discussions. Um, and, and, you know, to have them in the church and to have them in love. And, and uh, in fact, in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, the middle piece of that sandwich is love. Paul says, hey, you know, the main thing is, you know, I don't care what you do. You can be prophetic. You can be a preacher. You can do this and that. If you have love, you're absolutely nothing. You're like a, you know, a symbol that's just making a whole bunch of noise. So listen, really, by God's grace, I hope that this conversation that me and my brother pastor had would just, you know, it's like me and Michael sitting, you know, standing in Manhattan you know, on a mailbox and just talking theology, just trying to nail this stuff down. Michael will tell you, and I'll, Dominic will tell you, we can't cross, we can't dot every I and cross every T. But thank God we could have these conversations. They are the things of God. They are in the Bible. And believe me, if some of the things we've discussed today, if there's some things I agree with or Michael doesn't agree with, whatever, when we get to heaven, Michael's not going to tell me, I told you, Dominic, you should have listened to me. No, we're going to be there rejoicing in the Lord. And I am grateful and thankful to have a brother like this, whom first and foremost, I can trust. I can trust to know that if I need prayer, I, I can trust to know that if I'm troubled, if I'm needing a friend, a shoulder, a brother, that he'd be there. That's what the local church is about. That's what we need to be as brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to be a people of the book. But that doesn't Amen. mean we're going to get everything right. Yeah. <laughs> this is Street Talk Theology, where me and my brother Michael Teddy take theology and we bring it to the streets. Thank you for joining us for Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. You can visit Pastor Dom at Desert Sky Baptist Church at 891 West Corson Road, Casa Grande. And for more information, visit us online at www.desertskybaptist.org. Music